Hello, my name is Tapio Maseba and this is the Commercial Awareness Podcast. First, some headlines. Boris Johnson intends to ask the European Commission to open intense trade negotiations in an effort to prevent another cliff-edge date for Brexit. But Commission President Ursula von der Leyen suggested that by mid-2020, they may decide an extension is needed. The SRA has ruled that a former DWF trainee can no longer be employed by a regulated body after being dismissed for gross misconduct, that gross misconduct being disclosing confidential information to a third party and engaging in outside business without the firm's prior written consent. Fair warning for your own future careers. The Financial Conduct Authority has proposed that banks should have better interest rates for savers who keep money in the same accounts for multiple years. After British Steel fell into liquidation last May, putting thousands of jobs at risk, a rescue deal may be on the horizon with Chinese conglomerate Jingye Group poised to complete a £50 million rescue deal. Dentons is launching an outpost in Dublin, and Cooley have launched their third office in a year by opening in Singapore. And finally, after drinking has been linked to two SDT hearings involving Freshfields and Baker McKenzie partners, the Junior Lawyers Division has released new recommendations on creating a healthy drinking culture within law firms. If you'd like to read more on these stories, links as always are in the description. Now, the longer reads. The first story is about the pitfalls of corporate governance regulations. In a way, we've already alluded to how regulations can really just be treated as hoops to jump through or a simple brain teaser for lawyers as they try find a way to advise their client companies on how best to easily follow them without much effort. And that has now resulted in the Financial Reporting Council, the body which sets the UK Corporate Governance Code, criticizing listed companies for, quote, paying lip service, end quote, by only concentrating on box ticking in their compliance instead of making actual changes to their culture or governance. The FRC chief exec, John Thompson, has said that this, quote, does a disservice to the interests of shareholders and wider stakeholders, including the public, end quote. This view taken by the FRC shows that maybe it's not all rosy. Yes, some companies and the public have reflected in the past year the importance of culture, diversity, and sustainability, while a larger part may have not. I think this is also an interesting counter-argument to that of the socially responsible company we've heard of relatively recently in episodes 25, 26, and 30, namely the China-Hong Kong conflict and how American companies have reacted in episode 25, Chick-fil-A's backlash in the UK in episode 26, and the European Investment Bank becoming the world's first climate bank in episode 30. Maybe these instances have just been a loud minority, all the while the majority of companies are not all that interested. It's also important to note here that the code is not mandatory, but companies must explain their actions to shareholders if they do not comply. The FRC has said that this comply or explain provision has resulted in, quote, particularly poor explanations from companies, end quote. Upon reflection, I think that this is a matter that doesn't inspire just one opinion or solution. There are a lot of players, and even you as the listener could view it as the lawyer or the wider stakeholder. As the lawyer, you may be more interested in a client company spending less and therefore taking fewer strides in changing corporate culture or rocking the boat by requiring chairman changeovers every nine years, as advised by the code. As a wider stakeholder, like the public, you may be interested in companies being called into question about their sustainability efforts or even their efforts towards more diversity in the workplace. And from either perspective, what is the solution? Keeping the code voluntary but naming and shaming companies that do not follow them? Is it making the code mandatory, and what would that even look like? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but it would be interesting to hear what you think a workable solution would be, or if this matter even needs a solution.
Credit for this story goes to Tabby Kinder. In the second read, lobbyists representing Google, Facebook, and Twitter have written to the European Commission, urging them to not hold them legally liable for all the content on their platforms. This is a response to the EC's drafting of a Digital Services Act, or DSA, that is meant to update regulations in the tech sector as drafting picks up speed this year. Until now, tech companies have been allowed to regulate themselves for all illegal material except terrorist content. However, there has been mounting pressure to change its dynamic, leaving tech companies liable for the content on their platform. Though, Thierry Breton, the commissioner in charge of overseeing the digital economy, has said that the EU would not seek to remove limited liability for tech companies, though it is still very early in the drafting and nothing is formally off the table. Lobbyists have argued that making companies liable would create a, quote, perverse incentive, end quote, where companies would be afraid to self-regulate instead of waiting to be told what the illegal content is at each instance. They have accepted that their efforts to remove illegal and harmful content may require some sort of oversight, but do not want it to go as far as personal liability. This is something we have spoken about in the past. The regulation of tech companies has been a relatively common topic in this podcast and stands as a regulation exercise that will have quite a significant impact on how these companies relate to the law and how we practice and advise for years to come. We've seen remnants of individual state attempts at regulating tech companies as well, and some of these remnants may be a precursor to the DSA. In episode 18, we've seen French police working with Facebook whenever hate speech is detected to identify the posters of it for criminal prosecution. Maybe such a relationship is preferred by the tech companies and even law enforcement. However, episode 17 did see Australian courts with their apparent cop-out with tech companies, instead pinning liability to media companies who create pages on Facebook for the illegal comments under their posts, not Facebook themselves. So, the DSA is quite significant for a number of tech companies and how they function in Europe, but considering Australia's different view, and the UK out of the EU as you'd imagine in the next year, the lack of uniformity in how tech companies are regulated will be a job for the tech companies, their in-house lawyers, and the law firms they hire to ensure that the, for lack of a better term, boxes are ticked where they need to be, and as is often a priority for the client, not a cent is wasted. Credit for this story goes to Javier Espinoza. For the final read, let's talk about the TravelX hacking scandal. You may have heard about it, you may have not, but that's why we're here. Foreign exchange company TravelX has been the victim of a cyber attack that occurred on New Year's Eve. A ransomware gang has told the BBC it wants TravelX to pay 4.6 million pounds. All the while, TravelX have had to turn off all computer systems and resort to using pen and paper. The gang allegedly possesses 5 gigabytes of sensitive data, including dates of birth, credit card information, and national insurance numbers, and they have said that the payment of the ransom would result in them refraining from selling it and deleting the data. Part of the drama here, though, is the Information Commissioner's Office were not notified of the data breach, though the GDPR requires notification of a breach within 72 hours, quote, unless it does not pose a risk to people's rights and freedoms, end quote, according to an ICO spokeswoman. A company electing to not report a data breach must keep its own record and be ready to explain why. A company may be fined up to 4% of its global turnover for a failure to comply with the GDPR. Another controversial element is the TravelX websites have been offline since New Year's Eve across Europe, Asia, and the US, though the websites say they are down for planned maintenance, 
meaning TravelX customers were not properly communicated to of their data being breached and being held for ransom for almost eight days. This has also affected a large number of stakeholders, with some of Britain's largest lenders including Barclays, HSBC, RBS, and Virgin Money now unable to sell currency online as they use and rely on TravelX's infrastructure. This shows how a data breach can have ripple effects throughout the supply chain and can affect a number of other firms while also affecting a number of parties that may have not had any direct link to the affected company. However, in an odd way, this also highlights a negative side to the GDPR. It requires companies to quickly disclose breaches or face fines. However, companies more often than not would not want to disclose the breach as it results in negative press. As a result, ransomware gangs that set relatively cheap ransoms incentivizes companies to pay those ransoms to protect their reputations, therefore leading to more hacking attempts and data breaches. Also, this is an on-the-field test case we all have a front seat to. Will they pay the ransom? How will this define how companies act in the future? If the ransom is in fact publicly paid, does it not set a bad precedent? And what future GDPR reprimand will they face for failing to report on the breach within 72 hours? Is there a solution to the odd incentive the GDPR and public scrutiny currently creates with ransomware? Law firms increase their data protection teams by the years for instances just like this, as they aim to strike a balance between discretion and following regulation. It's a growing issue that, with stories like this, shows just how high risk and significant it is for present day and future lawyers. Beyond data protection and regulation, TravelX may also be dealing with civil issues from their customers and business partners for their failure to report, and even loss of business opportunity, making this a significant multi-practice issue. Credit for this story goes to Joe Tidy and James Cook. This has been the Commercial Awareness Podcast. Please be sure to like, rate, follow, and subscribe on your listening platforms. It goes a long way. And if you find it useful, please share it amongst your friends and colleagues. If you ever need to contact me, the podcast email address is on the first line of the episode's description, and the podcast Instagram page is at comawarepod, that is C-O-M-M-A-W-A-R-E-P-O-D, if you prefer to ask your questions or share your comments there, or just be a part of the community. Other than that, as always, thank you for listening, and you'll hear from me next week.